Hello all. Thank you once again for joining us. My name is Chris Hayden. I'm the pastor at Kindred UMC and one of the hosts of the Kindred Spirits Enneagram podcast. Uh, This week we have Matthew Port, who we lovingly call Port, uh, because there's another Matt in our group, and he graciously went by a different name. (laughs) It was very kind of him, which is, as you will soon discover, very in his wheelhouse, being kind and sweet and just an all-around lovely guy. Uh, He is a type 2, so... I was surrounded by type twos. Uh, I I caught myself doing a little bit more talking than I usually do, but uh, that's just part of the fun. He requested a blackberry lemonade. And so if you go to our our, uh, our Kindred Spirits Facebook and or Instagram, uh, you'll find a video showing how to make that drink, uh, as well as all the, or well, many of the other drinks that we make. And uh, you can fix yourself one and join along with us. Of course, you know, as long as you do it legally and drink responsibly and all that jazz. Uh, And as always, a like, a share, a subscribe, a rate, a review, all those things help out tremendously. Don't forget to check out our uh, live show on YouTube every Sunday night at 6.15. And here we go. We are now recording. Port. Matthew Port. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. You are one of the rare guests we've had whose last name I already know. Wow, shocking. I almost always learn somebody's last name when I save the file and have to go, oh yeah, What was their last name again, Courtney? What was their drink again? But since your name is Matthew and uh, we already have a Matt in the group, we call you Port. That makes it easy. Well, we should all do that. That's like growing up, we had several Johns. We had a John Baker, we had a John Tackett. There was another John in there somewhere. And we just reverted to calling everyone by their last names because it was too confusing. Interesting. So, it's still personal. It's not interesting. I don't know what I'm, what am I even doing? Do we want to talk about the weather now too? How about sports? Are you talking about my fantasy football team? It's a super compelling audio. Uh, Port, welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you. Uh, how, has the test taking Enneagram gone for you? Uh, it was good. I thought it made sense. Yeah? yeah. It does? Okay, yeah. good. Sometimes people do not react that way. <laughs> In fact, the first time I got into it, I was like, it's a bunch of bullshit. This doesn't mean This is horoscopes. You can apply this to everybody. Uh, and everyone else is my chaplaincy group. I had a group of like four other chaplains that we were in a, a like a CPE program and uh, that was part of it and everyone else was like I finally know myself and I'm like, this is all bullshit I hate this thing <laughs> a very poor response from you that's, well, that's what they all said and by the way that's not helpful <laughs> if you know a four who's reacting that way and you say that to them all it makes them do is be like alright you're bullshit too <laughs> well, even if it isn't accurate I still feel like regardless it still makes you kind of consider and really look into yourself and think about yourself you know because you see your results and you're like is that me and you just kind of start to think about who you are and everything to see if it fits or not Jesus but, you what know. are you a superhero Sometimes. What kind of a healthy response is that? <laughs> we're not used to that. Sorry, we're not used to that on the podcast. <laughs> a lot of firsts. <laughs> um, no, you're, and, and I, w- I always say, I've said it many times, get used to it, podcasting audience. Courtney was the first person I met who actually made sense of the Enneagram for me. <laughs> and it was when she started talking about four types, and, and particularly me, four type, four wing three, and she started just like listing shit off 
it was me and my wife next to each other. We're like, okay, all right, maybe there's something to this. <laughs> all right, okay, you convinced us. The problem is that people take the Enneagram test as a personality test. It's not a personality test. It's a motivation test. It's about why you do what you mm -hmm. do, not what you do. So, um, sh shall we end the suspense? Are you ready to reveal your type? Yes. All right, very well. Uh, two, wing three, intimate. That's very close to what um, I am. I believe around here, don't we prefer sexual rather than intimate? You prefer sexual. Yeah, it's the sexual. You're, you're the one. Yeah. Let it let it be made very clear that you're the one who prefers. Well, this is your... well, I'm a trendsetter, and this is an Enneagram podcast. I'm, I'm an I'm expert in the field. I'm pretty sure. And it's sexual. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of things that we could dissect <laughs> from that sentence that you just said, coming from the guy who puts cilantro in his drink. Hey, until you've tried it, you may not critique it. Once you've tried it, I will consider hearing arguments to the other. All right, fair enough. But anyway, two wing three. <laughs> uh, I'm a two wing three, so I always like talking about two wing three because I feel like I understand it right. very well because, you know, talking about myself. Um, talking about myself. Which is also super counterintuitive <laughs> for type twos because type twos like to focus on everybody else's needs. So core motivation for type two um, is to be wanted and loved or wanted and needed. You, you can nitpick that language however we do, you want to. All the time. You nitpick that language. <laughs> Not just me. Other guests have also been like, yeah, that is problematic language. Wanted and needed. Um, if you don't feel needed, you feel rejection. Rejection. And a two's core fear is being rejected, um, being pushed out or pushed away from other people that they love. So um, they love others by constantly attempting to meet their needs. Um, it's easier for me to talk about what you need and how I can help about you or how I can help you than it is to look at myself and what I need. Um, therefore, type twos tend to have problems with prioritizing their self-care and setting boundaries. Um, boundary setting is something that's especially difficult for somebody who's constantly focused on everyone else and doesn't ever look at themselves. Um, type twos are very relational focused. Um, so I don't know about all type twos, but I tend to, my anxieties tend to be focused in does this person like me? Does this person not like me? Um, and as a type two, I will tend to change parts of my personality to like match yours, not on purpose, um, but just because I want to be loved and needed and appreciated. Um, appreciation is a big thing for type two. Um, they, when unhealthy, they tend to have a, take on a martyr mentality. So again, talking about myself, but for type twos, um, I am definitely the kind of person where when I'm in an unhealthy place, I will pull the, you don't know what the fuck you'd do without me card, and I will fall See, on the sword. I do that too. Well, four and stress goes to two. Maybe, yeah, maybe so that's that why. makes sense also. But I will fall on the sword that nobody asked me to fall on and then blame everybody else for the fact that I fell on the sword. Um, that can result in icing people out or pushing people away because you don't want to be rejected. So you're actively constantly running from that. Um, and then sexual, since that's what Chris prefers, your subtype, it's just, it's about what relationship you prioritize the most. So 
Enneagrams about motivation, but there are aspects of personality involved in that. So you have your subtype and your wing. I'm going to start with subtype and switch it up today. Well, hold on, because it's, it's a little bit like drinking from a fire hose. First, because we've done this like several times now with different guests. So let's pause there before we get into subtypes and, and wings. like the social dynamic or the subtypes and wings. Um, first of all, do you identify or balk at anything that you just heard about yourself? No, if I'm going to be honest, I identify with a lot of that actually, like yeah. pretty much all of it. So what, so like what stands out? Um, or what things stand out? Do you mind? This is gross. If you don't. Oh, dude, it's your house. Right. Go for it. Yeah. Well, I just don't want to gross. I want everybody to feel welcome. Ah. So, okay. Uh, I'm putting, sorry, I put my feet up on the couch near him. <laughs> I, I realize this is not a video. I've seen worse. Yeah. Oh, I can show you worse. <laughs> oh, on the internet right here. <laughs> uh, go ahead. What? So what do you identify or what do you balk at? Uh, probably for identify, definitely the being, being wanted, needed. Uh, definitely that's a huge one uh, and I know I definitely it's funny you said the whole like um, how'd you say it changing yourself almost without oh, yeah. even realizing it like depending on what group I'm in or what friends group I'm in I'm like slightly a little bit different just yeah, to kind I'll of totally fit the mirror vibe everybody I can right. walk into a room and know exactly what my place in the room is right because I want to fit in yep you know and I want to be noticed obviously um, so so, here, so this is funny I think as a four I have a very similar thing, um, except for my role is always the same thing. <laughs> it's like, I'm not adapting to the room. I'm just going, okay, how do I use me in this room? How <laughs> like, do you squeeze yourself but I, in? But I do have that similar thing, particularly if it's at like a place like my house or my work or like I was a youth director in, in my youth room. like. And, and then when I was a worship director, I did, the, I did a lot of that stuff with like the audience. There was like hundreds of people there and, and I'm, I'm actively thinking about like, okay, what are the dynamics going on and how does it fit in here? Uh, and I, I, I don't know if that's because that's a stressful thing and I'm going into two. But like, even the way you just said that, like what are the things going on here and, and how does that fit in here? Very similar. Well, and mostly how do people, like, I'm, I, I'm, it's a social dynamic. But for aware. you, it's how do people fit in with you and what you're doing, or at least that, in the way that you're describing it, that's how I'm hearing it. Versus for me, and I, I'm assuming for you, it would be what's going on here and how do I fit into that? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a very slight twist. Yeah, I, w I would say... So it's a blurry line because most of the time I am, because I'm an upfront person, like mm -hmm. most of the time what I'm doing happens to be what we're all doing. And so there is a little bit of like, how does everyone fit in? Uh, what I, to, in my brain, the way I'm filtering it is, how does everyone fit into what we're all doing? So like a, a, a good example is a sermon. Mm -hmm. uh, which is has a, a slightly similar dynamic to like stand-up comedy like it, it's not just about delivering the content as much as it as it is about the whole congregation and whoever's on the platform kind of cooperating like it's about getting everyone together to move in a, in a direction together 
like and especially with music and worship same thing it's about getting everyone on board with going in the same direction together and so like and then of course that's always like a direction that i've decided on because <laughs> right i'm either the worship leader or the pastor or i'm the lead in the play the or difference I'm, you know, is, like, is that i would tailor that direction to what i felt the group needed yeah so i would and my in mind, brain. that's already been planned out ahead of time. Yeah. We've yeah. already planned what the group needs, and this is where... It, although, the, I would say there is a, there is responsiveness to the movement of the crowd. Like, if something's not landing, it, then it's my job to kind of pivot and make it work and, and listen to what the crowd's doing. Um, but, but it is much more about, like, yeah, but I am trying to get us to a destination. I would say... So, we had a slight recording issue. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to get us to somewhere. Yeah, so I would say that for me, like I did youth ministry too, and when I did sermons and when I led worship and when I was planning group games and when I was like managing my youth group, my constant focus is I'm very intuitive and very empathetic and I'm always attuned to and viscerally aware of how everyone else in the room is like feeling. Um, and so my thing is, how can I serve this person? How can I love this person? I'm very aware of like what their home life is like, what their like world view is like. So when I'm road mapping for the future, it's all based in what I know their needs are and how I can serve them in that. Do you ever get caught in taking care of the individual versus the group? I'm, so what I'm really asking is, what's the shadow side? Because, like, the sha- again, the shadow side of mine is... Or I don't know if it's again. I don't know if we recorded this. The shadow <laughs> side of mine is I can railroad my agenda at the expense of other people's needs. Yeah. So I think... And you're... This is your podcast, so <laughs> jump in wherever you want. For me... Well, again, it's like, they're statements, but they're meant as questions. Like, do you identify, do you not For identify? me, <laughs> it's the thing I have to be viscerally aware of is a couple things. One, when I'm only focusing on everybody else's emotions and feelings, as a two, I'm not only, like, talking about them and like empathizing with them, but I literally have to watch myself to make sure that I don't take them on myself and start feeling them for them what, and becoming overwhelmed with them. What happens when that happens? I become terrible at boundary setting. I um, become very involved in a way that I probably shouldn't necessarily be involved. So it's a lot more about like boundary setting, about um, so there was something I saw recently that was like... So do you, like you exhaust yourself? Yeah, it's Is like that... a, I, can, I can empathize with you without having to take responsibility for your feelings and for moving you out of that situation. Preach. And that's, that's hard shit for most people. That's, I know because we've recently talked about it. I know it's particularly it's, difficult for you. It's like particular. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's fucking hard. Like, and, it's, and I would say it's hard for just about everybody. My natural instinct is to take, responsi- take personal responsibility for how you're feeling and feel bad when I'm not meeting those needs and then constantly overstep my own boundaries that I had put in place to protect myself to make sure that you're doing okay and then I burn myself out and I'm exhausted and tired and 
move into my unhealthy eight complex of either shutting down and icing people out or um, getting very defensive and very like a combative kind yes. of yes yeah. Chal- yeah challenging 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 yeah yeah so I don't know port do you identify with with any of that do you like do you have trouble with setting personal boundaries and taking other people's needs on maybe not too too much emotionally um i do obviously like to put other people well, of course like, you're a dude I mean, of course right we have a stereotype we have to fit right <laughs> uh, but definitely like and just and depending on situations i will put the needs of others before me like especially at work which i do a lot um, there's a lot of people that I care about at work that go through a lot of older, like older individuals that I'll try and help them before do doing do other things. I work in a produce department. Okay. And so I usually try and help my coworkers oh, first, dude. but. You should have never told me that. <laughs> I'm going to text you with so many questions about. Oh, no, please. I love coming it. At I you, love man. that. Because I, because I love to cook. I'm a home cook and I like, I'm all about fresh ingredients and like real shit. Yeah, no, I love talking about it. It's fun. Okay. Like anytime a customer has questions, I'm like, let's do this. All right. Um, Where do you work? I mean, not an address. You can just, I don't know, like nod and lift up a, a brand name. <laughs> <laughs> the, the P word. That's right. That <laughs> every Southern person knows. Yeah, no, we're gonna publish produce department. So. Is but, it that one down there? No, 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 it's actually a good ways away from here. Oh, damn it. So, I know. Well, what am I supposed to do with that, Port? You just keep shopping until eventually you stop in and find me. <laughs> I guess. I guess that's what I'm going to have to do. Yeah, I've been doing that since I was 16. It's like my whole life, basically. Oh, really? Yeah. I've heard that, like, particularly Publix in general, like, takes really good care of their... Oh, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I remember uh, running into... So, I, where I grew up, I remember running into... He was, a, like, a football guy. He was, like, a star football player. Um, and this was, at, you know, after we like, this was like post college, and I ran into him. He was like a manager at Publix, and I was like, "Hey, man, what are you doing?" I was like, "I can't." Be- oh no! Oh no! The microphone! The microphone fell down. So what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> I'm just gonna do what you literally did the first time already. Okay. Oh, thank you. We're just gonna have to deal with I don't that. Feel naked. I'll figure it out. I've, we've got, I've got compression and stuff. We'll figure it out. The behind um, the scenes magic. But I, I remember running into him. His name was Dequez. I remember running into him at Publix and be like, "Hey, man, what are you doing?" Like, I, like, and just kind of, it was a subtle thing. But there was a little bit of me going like, "I don't know. I expected you to be like off in a big city somewhere because he was like a." Like, he was an academic and athletic and, like, just social star. Like, he was good. He was a popular guy and smart and good. And he was like, are you fucking kidding me? And he, yeah. he like, spelled it out for me. And I was like, oh, no, I get it. I understand mm-hmm. why you're here. Yep. He's like, no, I chose this. Like, yep. Ah. Yeah. And ever since then, I've, like, been like, all right, I'll go to Publix. Fuck Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. By the way, if you ever want me to stop saying that, Walmart, you just reach out. There's a price. Mm, not for me. I yeah, hate no. Walmart. Yeah, same. Oh, they can't to do with pay me enough money. No. I bet, I, I bet they could. No, probably not. <laughs> I bet they could. My mom, growing up, my mom would always call Walmart dirtbag Walmart. It was never just Walmart. You tell me if Walmart came to you and was like, we'll give you a million dollars. All you have to do is every time you have a podcast, mention us in a positive regard. You'd oh. be like, no. No, I'd say sure to that. I thought you meant like 
have to shop there for the rest of my so that's, life. Yeah, that's the better oh, question. A million no, no, no. dollars, but you can only shop at Walmart. No, oh, yeah, no. absolutely. A million dollars? <laughs> a million dollars. No, yes. I'm good. A mil- are you kidding me? You I could would only... invest it and retire and shop at Walmart. No, but but you can only spend the million at Walmart. I can't pay rent and stuff? No. Well, that's worthless. Uh, still, actually, that's not true. It's not worth it. Still worth it. Yeah, yeah. Still worth it. <laughs> <laughs> still do it. Easy. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's the shadow side of type two. It's becoming very combat- combative, and it's one of two extremes for me. I either ice you out, or I get very like defensive and I shut down and cry because I I feel rejected. I feel unwanted. I feel not good enough and if i start to feel that way i i i don't i just nope to stem off that i know it was really bad when i was like growing up and i was young and i was a teen and full of all these emotions um i had a lot of issues with relationships because i was the guy who was like i don't believe you're still into me i need reassurance i constantly mm-hmm. needed that reassurance like and that is just it, uh, you're speaking in my a way language. honestly in a way yeah I and was, that's i was desperate af yeah and then the more obviously you know knowing this now but back then you know the more you try and get that confirmation the more you're just pushing them away right one of my go-to analogies when i when i talk about so like as a pastor trying to kind of reinvent what it is to be a church one of my go-to analogies that I often use, because because one of the things we lost as the church, like we got we got caught up in like telling people how to behave, and like kind of controlling, and you know we we got we definitely went off the rails. Um, and when I try to describe what like, so it begs the question. So then, what's the point? Like, what does the quote-unquote gospel actually offer? One of my go-to analogies is. Have you ever found yourself texting someone, and then you text them again, then you text them again, and before you know it, you've sent like five or six texts and they haven't responded. And you know that sending the next text is 100% only going to make things absolutely worse. And you can see it and you can feel it and you send it anyway that's what the gospel's for. <laughs> like the gospel is for addressing that shit. <laughs> like that, and the first step is to acknowledge that we all have at least some version of that in us. Like, and to like, to like relax and experience like com- community in that we all have some of that in us. Like you're not some weird, broken, crazy ass, fucked up, whatever. That's, that is human condition that you're experiencing and that is what humans do like or or some version of that is what right. humans do you know like and like there's something about that for me that experience of doing that that feels so incredibly lonely and broken that's like how come everyone else has figured this shit out and i still don't know how to do this what is going on? Why is this so hard for me and not for everyone else? And then realizing like, oh, no, no, it's very difficult for absolutely everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and and like that is all that's one of the things that can bring camaraderie and solidarity if you are willing to lean into it rather than like fight against it tooth and nail, you know. So anyway, sorry, I interrupted what you were saying, but like 
I just really hardcore identify with that. No, yeah, I think like, you said that desperate feeling. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, like you were talking about. No, I think I pretty own... much. Well, okay. So kind of coming back into that, that kind of leads us naturally into um, subtypes. So subtypes, like I said earlier, they're. Um, we all have three different relationships in our life. We have our relationship with ourselves, our social relationships, and our intimate, because that's the word I prefer, relationships. Um, and so we all have all of them, and they stack, but the one that you prioritize the most can affect your personality, and it also can lead to countertypes. You're not a countertype. So can you break those down? Because I don't think we ever, we, I don't think we often pause to break that down for people. So the relationship with yourself, self-preservation yeah, so which makes sense like that's like you and you right and then the social i'm going to ask and correct me if i'm wrong the okay. social is kind of the broader how you engage with people you meet yeah it's well it's prioritizing your social relationships so it's like well, your so, networking relationships your friendships your so I, what i'm doing i'm trying to set set it against the the sexual intimate which is that's like the one-on-one. One-to-one. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily like your partner. Right. No, they're just no. your it's intimate one relationships. one-on-one. Yes. It's like, so like it can apply to like your relationship with your father. Yeah. Or yeah. your best friend. Yes. Or like it's it's not necessarily the romantic. Right. It's the one-on-one. -on -one. It's the close, close yeah. relationships. Whereas social is like your friend, your casual sure, friend casual. group, your network. Sure, casual, I think that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, so we said intimate for you. I'm gonna read this, it's from Nine Types Co. I just think she does the best job at explaining the subtypes. Um, so, sexual twos want to win the affections of others. They are looking for emotional intimacy and they will specifically attempt to win the favor of those who first dismiss them. SX twos find someone to be their best friend and they lose themselves in that relationship. They began taking up the tastes and hobbies of their significant other or BFF, and they can talk about the relationship at length. They are more expressive of their needs than other twos, and they are passionate and devoted in their trusted relationships. When unhealthy, they become pushy and even obsessive in their attempts to win the affection of others. They are jealous and possessive, and they may keep their friends isolated from one another for fear that their friends might befriend one another and shut them out. Possible mistype four. Hmm. Do you identify? A little bit. Not a all of it. Yeah. I definitely don't get jealous. I don't, uh, what was it, keep friends apart yeah. out of fear. I would never do that. Um, and now growing up, I was definitely obsessive in my relationships to the point where, I never forget it, my friend Philip uh, once called me out on it. He was like, dude, I want to hang out with you, but you are always with this girl and you always cancel on me. He's like, dude, stop. <laughs> So yeah, I was really bad growing up. I've gotten a lot better at it now, you know, older. So does does that does it come naturally to you now, or is it something? Is it like a skill that you've learned? I think it's like trial and error almost. Like I can kind of look back at those relationships and be like, okay, I was kind of doing that. I need to work on that. And so why I kind of trying to figure out why I was acting that way in the, those relationships mm -hmm. and trying to fix that before moving on to the next relationship. Or how do you do you do okay or that's a leading question. How do you feel when you're single? I've been single for a, for a long while, so pretty good. Do you, do you enjoy it? Yeah, it's nice. Because that was something <clears throat> like, 
even so like I because I, I have a, a like a kind of a pre and a post health time for me basically like there was pre transformative experience and post transformative experience and like the as you describe kind of the clingy desperate are the words that I would use for me those are the like as you're describing your experience I those are the things I identify with and those are the like pre-transformative experience stuff for me however even after I kind of like went through this significant trans transition and like understood more about who I was and became much more like comfortable in my own skin I still I was better at being alone and single but I would never say that like I like it and enjoy it I, I it never was a an, uh, like a preferred or pleasurable thing. It was always like a, all right, well, I can find I can find joy in this, versus like, all right, fucking off the hook, let's go. I, I would definitely tend to agree with you when you put it in that in that light. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not like your preferred mode of being as much as it is like, well, I'm not like completely hung up on this and feeling like my life is meaningless anymore like because that's how i literally used to feel that way when i when i if i wasn't in a relationship i would feel so lonely and so worthless and meaningless that i would be willing to basically partner up with anyone who would take even regardless of how i felt about mm-hmm. them you know like i didn't have to like them very much as long as they worked on paper yeah you know if they like checked the boxes that i thought were necessary then okay i'll do that you know yep um and and then I, of course the lie is that that would only lead me to like being in a relationship where i still feel shitty about myself <laughs> like me like oh i guess i'm choosing to love this person <sighs> And there, there is something about choosing to love, but I think that choosing to love comes like after a prolonged commitment. Sure. <laughs> if you're starting within the first, I don't know, couple of months to choose to love, like pull the ripcord and get wrong. the fuck out of there. Yeah. Like, like that's the time when you're supposed to not be able to keep your hands off each other. Yep. <laughs> like that's the time when you're supposed to be like, oh my God, I fucking love you. Oh, come in here. Like, and if you're, yeah, like, and I just, I kept on choosing relationships that were like, well, she probably won't leave me. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like she, I can relate. <laughs> she'll make me feel okay, I guess, you know? Like, yeah. So, so I hear you saying I can relate. What, what has brought you into, like, because you just said, like, singleness for a while now. Is that, is that by choice? Is that just kind of a matter of circumstance? Is that, like... Well, I've tried and I can't fucking make it work. Like, like, where are you in that? A combination of the two. Yeah. It's sort of like, uh, I don't want to force anything. Mm-hmm. So I think at the moment it's just like kind of getting myself together. Sort of a spiel. As cl- it's like the cliche comment, I need to work on me right now. <laughs> but it's cliche, but it, but it's true. Oh, it's yeah. fucking... So, and it's also like the hardest thing in the world to it's do. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. Like to put a pause on... We also have like, I don't know, millions of years of evolution that like demand that we partner up with each other right <laughs> like it's really hard to just pull the brakes on millions of years of evolution yeah. <laughs> and be like i actually do need to work on me right now yep like that's i, I commend you it's hard to do like good yeah, on you it's been rough but it's been good at the same yeah. time you know 
I mean, what can you can you be specific? Like, what what would you say to people who are maybe on the fence about that, or maybe maybe they're either coming off of a relationship or they're in an unhealthy relationship, but they haven't yet kind of internally pulled the ripcord and said, you know what, I'm going to do that, like. How would what would you say to them? How would you describe that to them? <laughs> Nothing. I wouldn't say anything. <laughs> no, no, no. You got you to hear me out. You got to hear me out. Because people in those situations, it doesn't matter how many times they hear anything. They're just gonna do what they're gonna do because they're they're very emotionally driven. Usually when they're in that situation, so anything I say, it's gonna fall on deaf ears. They have to figure out. They have to find either a moment or like epiphany in some way that'll cause them to do that self-help. Nothing I say is going to, would help with that. Did, did you, can, do you have like a moment for you that crystallized that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, probably I'd say about a year ago, I was just, everything was just not going my way. Nothing was going my way. I felt very defeated and okay, so don't laugh, but this is like 100% true. I don't know. You have a big smile on your face. It makes me think you kind of want no, me to it's goofy. It's goofy. It's goofy, <laughs> but I mean, that's just how it is sometimes, you know? Yeah. It was actually, um, the, the, the light bulb moment came after I saw Joker, the movie yeah. in theaters. Yeah. And, you know, it's very obviously, if you've seen it, very mental health driven. And after I left that movie, I was like, I feel like shit. Oh my god! And like, well, and I kind of like looking at everything. Do that too. Well, no, it was it was a two ways. It was yeah. one. It was like I just wanted to lie down, but it was also like looking at myself. I was like, man, I have some shit I need to work on. And so, literally, mm. like that week, I called my doctor, went and saw my doctor, and then kind of started the progress the process there. I don't Isn't think that, that's goofy at all. Yeah, yeah well, it's just, all, it's just coming from a movie, you well, know. So, pretty, well, it's also like. An Academy Award-winning film. Right. <laughs> it's not just, it's like, not just a movie. Like sure. how many how many great epiphanies in the world have happened because of some work of art? That's true. You know, like it, like that's that that's to me that's what happened is like you saw a great work of art, and the reason everyone thinks it's a great work of art is because it accurately reflects something pretty consistent within the human experience. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm just the thing. Fuck, I'm so nervous about this recording thing. Now. Uh, I hate computers now. I used to love computers and now I fucking hate them. It's like it's like you turn 37 and all of a sudden you're just like, fuck this mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> These computers and all their Twitters and all their Insta what's-its. <laughs> um, it's really good, by the way. This I'm glad you like lemonade. it. It keeps getting stuck in my mustache. I'm sure you've noticed, but it's, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> um... But yeah, like yeah, an epiphany due to a work of art that adequately and and may, I would say beautifully because I'm a four and I and like I, it's very easy for me to find beauty and sadness and darkness. Um, there's something about that like that I that I really dig. Like I love the idea that art can do that to people. I like like I think so. Like Dave Chappelle is is i think the greatest of all time as far as stand-up comics and the reason i think that is because he has a profound and prolific way of entertaining and engaging and disarming and then introducing new information sure like he like it's not just that he's funny it's that he knows what comedy's for and i think there's something similar going on with joker it's not just that it's entertaining, it's that whoever fucking team of people that made that 
understand what film is for. Like they, that's not just about telling a story. It's about like, what are we telling the story for? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, which is fucking scriptural. You know, like, like that's that. Those are the stories in the Bible. It's like they're. It's not just people who are telling stories. It's like, what are we telling these stories for? What are we trying to communicate about human existence? I I dig that shit. Man. I fucking <laughs> love it. So like finding real world examples of where pieces of art actually clicked people into a new paradigm is. I, 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 I think we should talk about it more. I, like it's you know it's the argument for like um, you know people talk about like oh we're giving all these celebrities all this success. It's like yeah and there's some of that that I completely agree with. Like I'm not about admiring somebody just because they're pretty, but there's also something you said about like we we need to lift the artists up. Like there there's an important part of society that they play. And yeah, we would be lost without them. And I say that as a four, because that's those are my people. <laughs> like, like the, that's who I identify with. Like I've I've made a living by telling stories and and like putting words together in a in a stream of consciousness. You know, it goes a long way. I I would like to think so. Now I would say. I would say that. Um, so for me, the the art of the sermon, in particular. Uh, is far less effective than practicing that in dialogue with each other, which is, I think, a, a lost art form that in this country, at least. Like we've we've lost the thread on the ability to inspire each other in conversation and challenge each other and genuinely connect with each other. Like we've lost that somehow, and we've created these weird echo chambers and. I, I I don't know what to do about that. Well, I I do. I'm just I just don't have the platform to do it on a large enough scale. Sure. I can do it five people at a time. Hey, that's five people for, though. For like, uh, yeah, I can do it for like three months at a time for five with five people, and that's what I know to do. And so, if there's a god out there, which I know is a crazy thing for a pastor to say, but like, <laughs> fucking help! <laughs> Come on. <laughs> trying I'm like really trying to solve that problem you know I like I think it's hard anyway I got off on a tangent but I but it 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 really that it really inspires me the the like the idea that a piece of art can truly change a person's like paradigm and and self-worth and and like the way that a person sees them so I, I I I fucking love that and I would like more of that this is totally off topic but I think you should give yourself more credit for changing the lives of even just five people because it sounds like you're really focused on like getting out there and getting as many people as you can but i mean dude even if you just change one person's life that's a whole person you know yeah. that's huge I, I yeah and and i i, I appreciate thank you i i receive that in the spirit in which it is intended i appreciate that, <laughs> I like and, that. I, and i agree with you like that's a big fucking deal yeah. it's a big deal like for one person who's had their life changed to multiply that by five is a huge deal. I mean, that, and that is, and you're right. Um, the, the thing that keeps me up at night is that the problem is so much bigger than that. Yeah. And that the people who are working against that, and I don't mean like the nefarious evildoers. Sure. I mean like people who are just, they're doing their best, but they're caught up in their own 
bullshit. You know, their their own coping mechanisms and defense mechanisms. Like, yeah, I might have done five, but they're doing like a thousand. You know, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it, that's what keeps me up at night. It's it's like the uh, it's like the global warming thing. It's like, yeah, I might recycle, but fuck me like what are, like how do i compete with china's industrial revolution <laughs> like what how do i do like it's that it's it's that it's that kind of panic that's like yeah. i can't do it now thank god i personally don't feel as strong a connection to the global warming thing cuz fuck me, that's a yeah right well, that's a heavy responsibility but for some reason just the way i'm wired and the way i grew up and the circumstances of my life have put me in the place where i do feel like a on this particular issue this idea that people can kind of surrender to their trauma rather than coping with it which is and that's the christ story it's the it's the death and resurrection like it's a metaphor for Hey, I know you've been running away from this all your life. What if you turned and faced it and actually let it hurt you? Like, what if you just felt the pain of it? What if you just literally sat down and, like, sat right in it and felt it? And the idea that that can bring about life. Like, it's those types of things. And, that, and you know, that's all the work we do here. It's, like, trying to give people the skills and, and the, like, community around them to do that. And I've seen it change people's lives. I just just, like... God, is there a more efficient way to do this? Right, sure. <laughs> Can we do this on a larger scale, please? Can we, like, we're in a, a bit of a crisis here. Like, there's all these people out there who are just, like, they're just, they just go their whole life. Yeah. They just go their whole life, and then they die. Like, the, and that's it. And that's their story. It's like, what the fuck? Like, in the, especially here, the amount of resources we have in America and the West and, like, the UK and Canada and, like, the, the riches that we have, like, there are people who just live their whole life and then they die and that's it. Like, fuck me, man. Like, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my whole fucking life. Like, anyway, I got off on a tangent. I made myself sad. <laughs> um... I don't even have a great transitional yeah, I question. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't even have a great transitional question. But I do I, I do identify with the, as you're talking about the, like, kind of getting hung up on a girl, you know, um, and then moving out of that. So, so what were the, what were the next steps in your story after you had this kind of, like, epiphany moment i guess what how whatever words you would ascribe to it sure um like how did you move out move on from that no pretty easily i found out my doctor and i are pretty dang close and i found out that i had attention deficit so it's something that i kind of laughed at you know because it's oh it's overdosed i know it's not even a real thing and he goes no yeah try, try this it's gonna change your life obviously it was much more professional than that right but and so i was like okay sure why not and then holy crap that it changed my life yeah. So I kind of, I, I, you were talking about like your. So it was literally like, for you, it was like a, a a chemical thing that it was like, hey, if we introduce this and we just kind of balance things out. For the yes, in simplest ways, well, I guess. Well, I see you. I see you kind of wavering on that. It, it was more complicated. Than well, that, obviously, so. you know, it it does help. But I think it's more of it doesn't fix the problem. It's more of hey, you now have the weapons to fight the problem. It's still up to oh. you to do the yeah. work. But now you actually have a fighting chance. Yeah. So. That's cool. So, I mean, 
my so my bachelor's in psychology but instead of being a pastor my other career choice was like counseling talk therapy mm -hmm. so i'm very interested in like so again it's kind of the same question like what would you pull from your own story that you think might be helpful for other people who are kind of like in the same boat? Hmm. Is it like, like, did you find going and talking to someone like is, is talk therapy helpful? Was medication helpful? Was like, uh, you know, I mean, it, like, it's, you know, it's funny cause someone actually just asked me that question uh, regarding medication and therapy uh, recently. And my response was a little, I guess you could say controversial, which was, I feel like you get to a point when you're if, when you're so low that therapy, and this is just my personal view on that, mm -hmm. it just doesn't work anymore. Because the issue that I was having was I was seeing a therapist, but that was only one day a week or two weeks. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like, okay, it's Tuesday, I really need to talk to you, yeah. but I don't see you for another four days. Ah, I'm freaking out, <clears throat> you know? Um, so I felt I was at the point where, okay, I'm so far down the rabbit hole that I need something to help my brain function daily. So right. ideally the two is, you know, the perfect combination. You know, the therapist helps you work out your problems while the medication helps your brain work right um so it kind of just depends on how how far down you are yeah my mom so my mom is has uh well they they said it was bipolar and then what we really really think it is is borderline personality mm -hmm. disorder and so she's now that's a little trickier because it's it's hard to like there's no clear medication for that like by in bipolar there's no clear but there's at least a little more research on the subject so, but I remember she would, she was talking to me about like, she would get on certain, and she's also like, she's on social security, you know, cause she's borderline. So sure. you can't fucking, it's really hard to work, you know? Uh, and so like, she she's on all kinds of, you know, government assistance stuff, which means that they change shit around on her a lot. And so she would get in like certain rhythms under certain legislation that, was like, hey man, there you are, you know? Yeah. And then she would, and then legislation would change or programs would change or whatever. And then, and then all of a sudden she would be like, it's really, really hard to get out of bed. Yeah. Like, and so there is some, I, I think it was very, very like this. I, I really like the way you put it. But it's not so much that it fixes everything, it's that you suddenly have the weapons in your arsenal to be able to actually attack the problem. Like, and, and I've never really thought about it until I just heard you say that, and now I'm thinking about my mom's experience and being like, fuck me if that isn't it. Like, it's, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, it's one thing to go to a gunfight with a knife, you know, and like if if you just put her on the right medication, if you'll just arm her with the right stuff, suddenly she can kind of attack life again, and like you know, maybe not ever get back to where she was when she was like some corporate power bitch, mm -hmm. like because that's who she was. She was like a corporate nice. trainer, and you know, like we I grew up in a pretty fairly well off neighborhood because she was such a corporate ladder climber, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden her illness just got the better of her. And so, like, there, I, I really like that analogy. I think that I think that's very helpful to think about it that way. Like, it's because she can't, she just can't win the fight with the, with what she's armed with, you know. And then, but then there are times when she can, you know, like, 
And part of that's also the dynamic of it. But I, I've noticed a consistency. That, like there was a good two-year period where she was with a counselor and a psychiatrist that was really working for her, and and like they they really had worked it out. And she was like, okay, here we go. And and then that stuff changed, and and I could feel a change in her, and she could articulate a change in herself too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, that fucking sucks. Like that's unfair, you know. Like this is a person who actually has the potential to contribute and make make society better, you know. And instead, just because of the way that this program has gone, I mean, I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but like, and she's a drain now. Where like basically she's like, I can't, she can't cooperate. Yeah. She can't like operate in in a productive way, and so now all she does is receive a check. And like keep herself alive and maintain like the house she lives in, and that's like all she can manage to do now, because of a change in her fucking chemical, yep. like her brain chemistry. Like that's uh, anyway. <sighs> You're a real. Uh, I don't think I talk. I talk a lot. I don't think I talk this much usually. It's my superpower. I think you do have a little bit of a superpower. Uh, well, I mean, if we want to go back to the whole two it's situation, the two thing. is that yeah. I, my entire life I've been really big on I'm more of a listener than a talker. I don't like to talk about myself. Mm-hmm. I don't like to talk about my own. I don't really. Like, you ask me, so tell me about yourself, and I like freeze up. It's yeah. like ah, I much rather because I, I don't really, I never really think about it that much. I don't really, you know, yeah, do too yes. much. Yes, thank yes. you. Yes. Uh, so. Oh God, I hate it. Yeah. I hate I hate it so it. much. I, well, here's, because Courtney, you're a similar type. Mm-hmm. I don't have the same, I, this is going to sound, I think, a little confrontational. I don't mean it in a confrontational way. I have a hard time getting stuff out of you. I don't have a hard time getting stuff out of anybody. <laughs> including her who's a similar type like i've never felt like you were ever tight-lipped you know there's one other person i can think of who will go unnamed uh but we were talking about earlier today Ah, who is tight-lipped you know uh and you're not it's not it's not like when i say tight lips sometimes that can present like a "Mm, you won't get anything out of me see sure like that's not you're you're like a jovial friendly guy <laughs> and uh and i'm having a surprisingly hard time getting I'm information flattered. from you <laughs> i'm sorry I, I'm, you know, I, I don't again i don't mean it in a confrontational way it's no. fine i want you to be you like i really want you to be you but i am noticing that it's my anxiety that's making me not anxiety that's way too strong a word but like it's my i'm noticing that it's my social dynamic of i learned to fill the silence early on i learned to to fuck combat the first thing i learned in life socially was how to combat awkwardness Oh, see, I love silence. I think that silence doesn't give enough credit because there are awkward silences, but then there are like comfortable silences. Like I've been in some semi-healthy relationships, pretty healthy relationships where some of my favorite moments were just sitting with them in total silence and just relaxing. Well, you know? so Francisca and I definitely have that. Mm-hmm. My wife, for those of you who don't know. Um, Francisca and I definitely have that. Like we sit in silence a lot. 
uh, or or like we're you know it's it's I would say it's more shared experience. We're watching something together. We're laughing at the same thing. We're, you know, we're or or like I'll be literally I'll be cooking in the kitchen and she's just sitting at the bar, and like maybe playing like switch or something but it's just like all it is is that we're in the same space together and doing like life in in the periphery of each other and like that's enough um there's but there's something about i would say there's something different about getting at the like so tell your story and you're like Huh, and, you, and I can't even describe exactly how it is. I'd have to go back and listen to, I'd have to like script it out. You have a, to me, it seems, a profound ability to make people feel like you've answered the question when you have not answered the question. <laughs> like, and I, I, I mean it in a delightful Busted. way. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to like drag you out to the carpet and be sure. like, Hey motherfucker. Like I, I, what, but I do like there, I think there's something about that. Do, do you, I mean like, is that a thing that you recognize in yourself? Is that a thing that other people have seen? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So where where does that come from? Do you think? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, that was, that was a hey, joke. that's a direct answer. That was I'll a, take it. No. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If we're, I mean, everything stems from your family and from how you grew up, right? Uh, so, I agree. Yeah, uh, that's usually where I end up going. It's usually how it works. Yeah. I know. I I personally grew up with. Uh, when I say the youngest of three, I mean like the youngest of three. So I'm 26. And my siblings are in their mid 40s, okay. uh, so it's like a huge difference. I bet you were a surprise, weren't you? Well, that's why they named me Matthew because it means a gift from God. Ah. So that, yes, at least that's what I'm told. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, so when I I was like super super young, so growing up I was you know not in a negative way, but I was like the outcast. I'm this little kid surrounded yeah. by all these adults that are making all the adult decisions, and so my input didn't matter. I guess, mm -hmm. so I guess it kind of starts with that. Like I can say it, but who cares? And they make my decisions for me because they know uh -huh. what's best and they want to protect little Matthew. That's some deep shit. So, there. right? See? Yeah. And yeah, I guess I just, you know, when you grow up in that environment, you just kind of get used to it, you know? So that's, I listen and I, I listen to other people's advice, but I don't really chime in too often unless, you know, I'm in like a leadership role or something like that. Do you, I mean, do you find yourself in leadership roles often or is it like a super rare thing or what i don't seek leadership roles uh but if they're put upon me or if the, if the situation calls for it then yeah i will but it's not like something i'm actively seeking can you t can you do any examples spring to mind um just like with work I guess it's a basic example. It's not really exciting, but you know, if I'm the act, if I'm the veteran, if I'm the, like, if I don't take you charge of the, the department, yeah. it's gonna burn down. It's like I'm gonna take charge and I'm gonna run the department so it doesn't burn down. Yeah. Uh, I guess with fam my family is obviously weird because it's family, but uh, if I'm at a party and I'm like the mother hen, everyone's drunk and I'm not, you know, right. then there's like, a, okay, I gotta, I gotta take control of the situation, make sure everybody's okay, you know, or something might happen. Yeah. So situations like those, I guess. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I, so I have a, I, I almost have an opposite role to leadership. I have to decide to not be a leader. No, I, I identify much more with what you were saying. 
Well, and that makes sense in the two thing. Yeah. Like yeah. The supporter. How do I? Help? I become a leader because I am versus supporter. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you put that. Yeah. I, I support others first, and because of that, I get nominated into leadership roles. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> yeah, I and I find myself in support roles, in like in reverse. I find myself going like, you know what the best way, the best way that I can lead right now is by supporting that person. (laughs) And I want to clarify that when I say support others, I don't necessarily mean I'm going to volunteer to be the first one to do the dishes at the party. Sure. Because a lot of like stereotypical Enneagram accounts, especially when it comes to two, will define two as the helper. So the first to do the dishes or the first to like clean up after, that's not me at all. Ask my husband, he will tell you, <laughs> doesn't happen. Um, for me, supporting looks more like, again, being empathetic, listening to people tell their stories, genuinely caring about what's going on in their lives and wanting to help in those kinds of ways. And so then I get elevated to a position of leader because people feel like they can trust me and want me to be a part of the thing that's happening. I'm gonna ask you a question. What's that? Do you ever find that when you are doing that with people that they're like shocked? Yes. Like, like huh? Like, what do you mean? You, like, you're listening, you, like, you care? Yes. Yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. there aren't a lot of people who are gifted and skilled at that. Well, it's a do a little. Yeah. yeah. I would say. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Because I, <clears throat> that's not necessarily something that comes inherently naturally to me. But because I've been a chaplain and because I've developed a lot of, I've spent a lot of time trying to develop those types of skills. I mean, like, I would, I even hearken back to like our conversation, like you and I, Matt, have, have, or Matthew, have had a lot of like conversations where they start with me listening to you and then end up with me talking. <laughs> um, and this tonight included. Um, but there's something in that, like, I've had that experience too, where because I've practiced at that, people genuinely are like, even like stupid shit, like, um, hey, how are you doing? I'm all right. What do you mean? Like just a second follow-up question and, and actually like wanting to know. Yeah. You know, like, and, and like literally being curious about, oh man, that sounds, that sounds like you had kind of a shit week. Like, I mean, you don't have to talk about it by any means, but do you want to? Like, I'll listen to you. And yeah, I've, I like that, that idea that people are like, their minds are blown by that idea when it is such a, a simple, basic human thing. And, and there's something in, again. It's it's back to the the shit I was talking about earlier, like this kind of longing for connection, this kind of like need for that in in our like psyche, in our collective psyche, that's going unmet in a in a well in a pandemic kind of way. Yeah. Actually, you know, um, and so I really identify with that. Like it, it's so inexpensive to do. It's so inexpensive to just be curious about another human being for a little bit. And also it has such a huge impact on them. Um, of course, my natural tendency is to then 
go off and talk. Like I have, I have to like train myself to do what appears to come naturally to the two of you. Like the natural thing of shutting up and like, and in fact, I'm even having a weird surreal experience just looking at the two of you on the couch, looking at me being like, and there is something in your posture and in your faces that's like, go on, Chris. Go ahead. Keep Come talking. On. You you need this. Go ahead. <laughs> like, like there's something there's something kind of like uh, otherworldly about it. It's a little funny too. Uh, and I'm going to drastically resist the urge to continue talking. <laughs> That's okay. Um, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- so this is not a gotcha podcast at all. And you can wave me off if you want to, and we can edit it out. Uh, do you not drink at all? No. Uh, it's, it's more and more going towards no. Yeah? So How come? I used to be pretty fat, and I lost a lot of weight, uh, partly because I stopped drinking. Yeah. And so when That's you what st- I'm trying to do, man. Well, when you, when you stop drinking for, a, for years, and then you try and go back to it, it's like, wow, this hits you pretty damn I'm hard. <laughs> yeah. well, honestly, like, I've been <laughs> drinking way less, even in the last, like, it's, I started Weight Watchers in the middle of July, but I, I totally, like, obviously years versus months, totally different thing. But no, I get yeah. what you're saying. Like, I used to have such a high tolerance, and now I have, like, two drinks, and I'm, like, buzzed. I'm done. Yep. I'm good. Which is awesome, because then it's, it's, it's your cheap date. Come yeah. on. <laughs> you don't have to buy, like, six packs just to, and you I know. And I don't want the sugary yeah. drinks either. Like, yeah. if I'm going to drink, I want beer or wine. That's it. Sure. Well, then I know I went, I know something that definitely also is that I went to a party and I got like, I was gone. Mm, I'm talking yeah. like getting sick, crying, That's the worst. mumbling over myself, yeah. waking up. Like, I didn't even know I was in bed. I don't know how I got there. Yeah. And then like, I was like, okay, I think I'm done with yeah, this. Yeah, you had a blackout experience. Oh yeah, I was like, no, we're done. Yeah. So Yeah, my wife, she was a partier, pretty strong partier in her younger years. And she tells me stories that genuinely scare the shit out of me. Like, I, like they absolutely frighten me. Where and their stories kind of like that, where she's just like, "Yep," I and like, and we still drink, and but like, she's she's like, "No, I will black out if I drink, drink." Yeah. So it's not gonna happen. Like she switches to water pretty quick. <laughs> like, like good for you, good for you. That's a good way to go. Um. And I also identify with the the weight. Like, I used, like, because you're a very thin guy now. I used to look like you. <laughs> like, I used to have your exact build. And I don't think it's exactly drinking. I think it's a combination of drinking and getting older. And I'm, like, fighting the battle of the bulge now. But, like, I think it's interesting, the inverse, like starting bigger and getting smaller and me starting smaller taking it for like i'm not kidding i used to i used to like actively work to finish everything on my plate in the hopes that i would gain weight people don't understand that how hard it is you tell someone it's hard to gain weight and they get mad at you no it's 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 tough no it was really difficult and and like and, and also this i think this is an important lesson for people because I look back on, it, I was lucky enough to have like a few years where I still had like that adolescent metabolism and I could eat anything and like be thin. I had enough 
wherewithal in a few years to be like, I like this. I can dress this body. Like, I can wear shirts and ties and vests and, like, I can be dapper and, like, hipster and look cool. And, like, and as soon as I figured, and, like, I had spent my whole adolescence being, like, scrawny, feeling like shit, feeling like I look like a girl. No girls want to gonna want to fuck me and I hate myself. Like, I spent a long time there and then all of the sudden, like, it clicked for me. And this is part of that transformative thing that I was talking about, like it clicked for me and I was like, oh shit, I know how to dress this body. I can, like, I've seen lots of people that look this way. I can do this. And then as soon as I figured it out, it was like three years later that all of a sudden it was like, fuck you universe, fuck you. And then of course now I'm like looking back on because 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 I'm a pastor, a lot of my sermons and stuff are online. I can look back to like when I gained the weight and be like, "Oh, I can see who I am with like I can like." And it's just this weird lesson of you always think it's something else is better. Like you almost always think something else is better, and like the reality is that everybody likes to fuck something. Like everybody likes something, you know. And like to to just look at yourself and be like, this is who I am. You know, if you're unhealthy and you don't feel good about your health, then by all means take some measures. Like I, I encourage that. I think I you know, certainly we have a problem with like health and diabetes and weight gain and you know, by all means. Uh but like also like like Andy Richter has this great quote. He's the he's the sidekick for Conan O'Brien. And and he was on a podcast being interviewed by Pete Holmes. You made it weird. Chat it out. Uh, and he was and he has this quote where he goes like, I you know I look at myself in the mirror and I I'm like I'm a lovable fuckable human being. <laughs> like I just like that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> like, and he's like, but I'm also aware that if I audition for a role in L.A., I'm gonna be the fat friend. <laughs> and I was like. Man, isn't that a lesson? Isn't that a fucking life lesson? Like, by all means, be healthy if you want to, but like, also love where you're at. Like, you, you, everyone is a lovable, fuckable human being. You know, like, like you can. There's somebody who wants you out there. I promise. You know. And I don't know. I feel like in my experience, personality and confidence goes along like much further mm-hmm. for you than. Well, so. and I would say that we. I, I agree with that, and also, as men, we have an easier time in this culture with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, there is definitely an unfair. You sure do. There's an unfair slant in the direction of female physicality and like male personality, you know. Um, and. Ah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, there's, uh, there's plenty of that that's unfair, and there's some of that that's like, I, I don't know how much of that is hardwired into us. I, I don't know how much of that is genetic and like because we descend from apes. Oh, like, the old nature versus nurture. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. It's like I don't, I don't that I don't know what to, you know. I certainly have gotten myself to a place where, 
at the very least I can be aware when a, an attractive woman is influencing my like oh she's so funny like no she's not she's fucking pretty that's what's going on like she's not funny she's pretty she's not intelligent she's pretty but then also like I would say I'm fucking killing it like my wife's fucking hot <laughs> And she's really smart and cool as hell. And, like, she's just, like, dope as shit. You know what I mean? And I think there's something about, like, well, wait for that. But also, I would say this, too. Like, her physicality is also my type. She, like, she's she's not a, like, she's not everyone's type, for sure. You know? Like, and I won't be grotesque by talking about the specifics of her body. But, like... She definitely has a body type that's like, that is my type. I like that. Um, and then a personality type, too, that's like, I like a, I like a woman who can drop the C word on demand. Corn? <laughs> like, yeah, corn. That's exactly <laughs> oh, it. Um, and, there, and there's something about the combination of that that's like, Sh- she's for me. Like, I like that. Um, but then there are also other beautiful women out there who have totally different personalities who I find fucking detestable. And somebody else is like, cheese for me. You know, so there, I think there's, again, there's some, like, everybody's fuckable to somebody, you know? Like, everybody likes that's sweet. something, you know? <laughs> like, so go easy on yourself. Like, go, that's, I think that's the heart of it. Like, go easy on yourself, especially women. Like, go easy on yourself. Find something out there that you, that really likes you. Find something out there that you really like. Like, that's, that's, and wait for it. Like, wait for that, too. Anyway, I, I can't help but get into a sermon mode when I got two fucking twos looking right at me in the eyes. <laughs> well, uh, we are coming up on an hour-ish, hour 15-ish. Okay. Shall um, we cheers? Yeah, we can We can do that. Uh, we always end the podcast by saying, uh, everyone says it, what they're cheersing to this week, or this night, or this year, or whatever. Uh, so, um, do, does anything come to mind? Who would like to go first? Do one of you show those? Let me see an example. Okay. You have something? Should I'll, I go first? I'll go. I am going to cheers to loving intuitively and to the natural ability that us type twos tend to have to truly love and care for someone in the ways that they need to be loved and cared for rather than the ways I want to be loved and cared for. Okay. That was complex. I like it. Uh, Thanks. Um, I will cheers. I'll cheers to something simpler. Fuck it. Trump lost. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking loser. <laughs> Eat it. <laughs> And if my dad ever listened to this, he won't. He doesn't fucking listen to anything I do. It's part of the problem. It's why the way I am. It's why I am the way I am. Uh, but cheers to Trump fucking losing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'll cheers to. How about you, man? I'm going to say cheers to Joker. What a great yeah. movie. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> Especially when, you know, it spurs people on to, like, personal growth. Yeah. And yeah. Good times. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know you drank most of your drink. Clink. You didn't have to say that. There's no video. But you have to at least get it so we can clink. <laughs> Although they are, they click. That, 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 was, that was, was pretty good, actually. Yeah, 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 that was good. I'll take it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, here we go. Cheers. 
So we gave up on the uh, grain alcohol cherries, much to uh, yeah. really good. Courtney's Oh, it's so unfortunate. Relief. I'm so sad about that. <laughs> I hear the pain. Yeah, she hated it. <laughs> I love it. All right. Good night, everybody.